Welcome again, everyone, to the Two Toms Talk and Travel podcast. We are the official travel experts here in Podcast Town. And if you don't believe us, just ask the mayor. Ready to get down to business and talk some travel, Tom? And let's do it. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Two Toms Talk and Travel is back with spooky episode number 13. We've kind of felt a little bit of this, the 13, a right? A ghost could be in the machine today. It's a little bit of the police situation <laughs> yeah. right there, right? <laughs> no, exactly. So we are so happy to be back. There's a lot, as always, going on in the travel business, and we're glad you're back with us. And we have some great stuff to talk about. We have a really phenomenal, nationally known yeah. guest today. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Again, changing up our guests. Yeah. We could keep filling it with hotel reps and tour yeah, or operators. The or the Carnses, right? <laughs> Which are both the same thing. But yeah. today we, we're very excited to be able to have Chris Elliott from the Elliott Advocacy Group, among many other things. Chris is a contributing writer to the Washington Post, USA Today, and Forbes, just to mention a few of the publications. He's also an author. So he's written two books, World's Smartest Traveler, and scammed, which I haven't finished. The scammed ones really got my curiosity. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking to him for sure. It's great because he represents you, the listeners. He does. He's unbiased. He's not a hotelier or a tour operator that's over here trying to sell us or educate you on their products. It's somebody that's out there saying, hey, listen, you got a voice. Yeah. If you're getting screwed over or if you feel you're getting screwed over, there's people out there that are willing to listen and willing to help. So we're very excited about that. Yeah, good guy. The consumer advocacy part, as looking at his website, is similar in some ways to what we as agents do, right? So he's going to be great. Well, so we're here today, and yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the shutdown here in Wisconsin. So where were you on St. Patrick's Day last year? I was year? in a bar. <laughs> Come on. I, don't know. I mean, I'm sure that anyone who knows me who's listening to this would be surprised that I was in a bar on St. Patrick's Day. And I remember it well because it's a local place out in Pewaukee. And the owner came up to a group of friends who were all just sitting there hanging out. And he said, I'm so sorry, but I have to ask you guys to leave. And that was when the shutdown came and everyone was required to close at five o'clock. We all looked at each other and were like, what are you talking about? We don't want to leave. It's St. Patrick's Day. We're having a good time. So yeah, one year in. So are you basically telling me that five o'clock is the earliest you've ever been thrown out of a bar? (laughs) Good for you. Good for you, man. Was it? And I say this to the listeners. Just put yourself back a year ago. Oh my gosh. When again, bars were like saying goodbye and closing at five o'clock or restaurants were like, sorry, we're closing at five. And I just remember walking out of, I was probably at a local bar as well. And at five o'clock you're strolling out and you felt, you knew the world was going to change. You knew. Yeah. Didn't feel good. Exactly. And I guess that's the kind of point I'm going to. So for all of us, you listeners, you consumers out there that have made it through this last year, God bless you, man. It's not been easy, but we're on this side of it now and it's going to start getting better. Yeah. We're looking in the rear view mirror on this. And, you know, one of the things that is we want to talk about, we're going to talk about with Chris Elliott later is we really want to talk about how things are progressing. And as you guys have listened to our shows, we've been trying to keep you up to date on all the travel happenings and really for Tom and I, both of us now are, we're saying we're half-vaxxed. We're half-vaxxed is right. We just got one shot so far with one more shot to go. So if two Toms were to merge, <laughs> we'd be covered. Yeah, well, yeah, we're fully vaccinated <laughs> between the two of us. But that's a big thing. I mean, obviously, with the being vaccinated and the masses of populations and herd immunity and all that building up is a huge part of returning to travel. And so as we look at that, one of the things that we want to keep you up to date on is how do the travel restrictions change? 
where are the travel requirements? For example, earlier this week, we had a great conversation with John DiOrio, one of our executives at Virgin Voyages, and they announced- One of our past guests, too. Yeah, past guests. That's right. And they announced that for Virgin Voyages, which they hope to be sailing very soon, they're going to require all of their crew and all of their sailors, as they call them, to be vaccinated. So in order to go on a Virgin cruise, you'll need to have a vaccination. Belize, I believe, just this week opened up as well. Prior to, I think, Monday, you needed a negative COVID test to get into Belize to be able to vacation there. It's open among many of the countries that are, but they just changed it over that if you show your COVID test, that's all you are required to get into the country. I think along with what you're saying on the cruises, a lot of countries are going to start doing that as well. So we're going to keep you up to date on that. If there's any ease of travel, it's likely to be related to the masses being vaccinated. There's no doubt that that's going to make things easier. It's going to open things up. So we want you to be up to speed on what do I need to know? What are the opportunities that are out there? And also in the past, we've talked a lot about the apps and where is that information consolidated? You know, we had Peter Wells from Dragon Slayer on. And then one of the things that is going to come into play is some type of universal method by which you can show your vaccination or you can provide that information as you enter a country. In our interview with Chris, I think he's got some, in my previous conversations, he's got an interesting take on it. I really like his take on it. Yeah, me too. So very excited to share that. I guess what better time to introduce our guest than now? Who is flying this plane? Well, we are happy to introduce our nationally known author, advocate, journalist, written two books, World's Smartest Traveler and Scammed, which are two great things every traveler needs. We're very excited to have Christopher Elliott with us from the Elliott Advocacy writes weekly articles for the Washington Post. He's a contributing writer to USA Today and Forbes and many, many others. So Christopher, we're very excited to have you on the Two Toms Talk and Travel. Welcome. Thank you. It is a great honor to be talking to the Two Toms. Wow, that's the first time anybody's ever said that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, Christopher, Chris, how do you like to be addressed? I'm trying to be very more conscientious. Yeah, I'm Chris. If you're a friend, and if I've been a bad boy, my mother calls me Christopher James. There you go. All right, James. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, and we are very excited to have you. I mean, been a fan, been following your articles and your advocacy, Elliot.org website for a while, and just absolutely love what you write and what you're doing. So can you tell our listeners, both of them out there, what you're all about? What do you do? Well, you just said what I did. <laughs> what more can I add? <laughs> well, I was hoping you're going to throw a little special sauce in there, something that maybe I left out. Okay. But I guess maybe a better question is you started in the advocacy. And again, we're travel agents, Tom and I, for a long, long time. And you're the listeners that are out there right now that listen to our show are, are consumers. And we are very strong on the use of a local travel agents. Know who your travel agent is and work with a really reputable travel agent. And what I'm talking about is an agent that takes ownership of your reservation, takes ownership of your customer service issues, that really has a vested interest. And one of the things I think is interesting about you and what you do is you get tied back in or brought into certain issues or travel scams or issues from consumers. And maybe one of the things we could start with is your thought on a travel agency and what you think consumers should look for in a travel agency, because obviously we're a little biased. I think that what you really want to talk about are the vending machines that are out there. Online travel agencies that shouldn't even be called travel agencies. They're just sites that sell travel, but there's no one, no human being behind any of that. And that's really the value of a good travel advisor. 
is that you have a person that you're dealing with and I'm not trying to like rip on Expedia and Travelocity and Orbitz and Priceline. They do have a purpose. If you're making a very simple point-to-point travel reservation, you can go ahead and use that. But for a more complicated trip, if you're doing a honeymoon or a safari or a cruise, you definitely want to be working with a travel agency. And I don't waste an opportunity to recommend the services of a competent, and I would underscore the word competent, travel agency. Because there are still, unfortunately, some very less competent travel agents out there. But if you can find a really good one, it's a relationship for life. When you want to go somewhere, you pick up the phone, you call your travel advisor, and they handle it from start to finish. I was looking over your forum on your website and just reading a lot of the submissions and things like that. And I swear to God, it felt like I was back in my office come last June or July all the requests of I didn't get my money, the travel agencies holding my money, the cruise lines are not responding. And it just literally for myself and speak for Tom as well is we spent eight months, eight months just looking for people's money. We were in the office every day. We responded to every email. We collectively worked our butts off to get people their money, to get them answers, to stay in contact with them. So it's funny that we have that kind of kindred spirit there when I was reading the forum. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the same side on almost everything. That's what we do every day at my advocacy organization is we help people, whether it's a refund or an apology or someone who was downgraded on a flight. We do mostly travel complaints, but we get a lot of other complaints too, exploding appliances, cars that don't work, they're really lemons. We try to help everyone. I didn't get a chance to read today's Gas for Life. (laughs) <laughs> article? Or you're dealing oh, yeah. with that as well? I didn't get a chance to dive into that one. So I kind of put a smile on my face. That's right. Well, and you know what? That's actually a little bit of a travel complaint because this, this guy had won a contest and they gave him gas for life, but they didn't define whose life it was. It turns out that it was the life of the company. The company was acquired and his gas ran out which he didn't think was fair wow, because yeah. he gas for life. And he's still alive. It's all in the fine print. <laughs> it's like a Monty Python, you know, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got one good arm. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, this is happening a lot right now in the travel industry and elsewhere. And I really do feel like travel advisors, travel agents are advocates also for their customers. And that's why I recommend them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I was going to say, we give you a lot of credit because the advocacy part of things, I mean, it's hard work. There's a lot of expectations from the consumer side that you're going to be the hero. There's a lot of difficulty working through the pathways to the problem resolution on the supplier end or on the product end. So we give you a lot of credit. And what kind of team do you have with you working on that? We have a small but very dedicated team. We have a few people that handle all of the cases that come in. And we basically triage when someone fills out the form on our website. And uh, the URL for that is elliot.org forward slash help. So there's a form there. It gets filled out. We have people uh, there who, who are triaging the form and either doing direct advocacy. So they're responding to the person, asking for more information, and then contacting the company. Or they refer them to the forum where we have about a dozen very knowledgeable, well-versed experts who are answering their questions. And we try to answer every single, with some exceptions, we try to answer every question that we get. Sometimes we get things that are filled with expletives or threats or legal threats that we can't or we won't answer, but everything else we respond to. Right. 
do they pay a fee or how do you work with the consumers that contact you? No, we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. It's called Elliott Advocacy and we are entirely run by reader donations. For example, when you get a case fixed by us or we help you, we say, hey, if you want to support us, here's how to do it. You can write a check and it's a tax-deductible donation. So that's how we're sustained. Um, And then I also, I mean, I've been doing this for more than 20 years, almost 30 years, and have funded it myself through writing stories from my journalism fund, the advocacy. We've only been a 501c3 for about three years. So before that, I was funding it myself. Wow. That's a commitment and it's greatly appreciated. And I know it's definitely not lost on us or wasted on us. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Knowing that we do some of that same work. And how, like I said, how difficult that is and the value that it brings to the consumer knowing that someone's on their side. Because, yeah, it's a hard road. If you experience a problem or if you have a situation that you can't resolve, trying to get it resolved, especially like we talked about through a vending machine, travel provider is not an easy path. So much appreciated. With social media being such a big part of it, when somebody reaches out to you, do you find that they've already taken it to Instagram? They've already taken it to Facebook. They've already kind of blown up the company or airline or whatever on their own before they reached out to you? Or do you think that more of the people that reach out to you are well thought out, a little bit calmer and looking for you to handle it? And there's a reason I asked that. Yeah, well, sometimes people, we're their first stop. They know who we are. Maybe they read one of my columns in the newspaper. And so they check in with us first. But often we'll find a long trail of angry social media posts and emails and threats that preceded them contacting us. And that can be a problem. For example, if you have threatened a company with legal action, that won't go to the customer service department. That typically will go to their legal department. That means the lawyers are handling it. We can't help if it's a legal matter. There's just very little or nothing that we can do. It's usually nothing that we can do. But I have to tell you, though, in the last couple of weeks and months, I've been really disappointed with the way that advocates have been fighting with each other instead of fighting for their consumers. I mean, I don't know if you guys recall a couple weeks ago, I had a dust up with the American Society of Travel Advisors where they were upset that I was, that I said, I'd written a column for USA Today where I said, this might not be the time to be selling people travel. And they were very, very angry about that and put out a news release. Then the Better Business Bureau came after us and gave us an F rating. And we were talking about this before we went on the air because of some reader questions that had gotten channeled to the wrong place and we weren't able to answer them. And so they automatically gave us an F rating. So what I wanted to say is that when advocates, like you're an advocate as a travel agent, and I'm an advocate, when we fight with each other, then the only winners really are the companies that are offering bad service. And I was actually trying to explain that to the Better Business Bureau is that there's only one winner here, and it's not you and it's not us. It's the companies that are screwing their customers. Yep, you're absolutely right. Right, Very good point. Yeah. And I do remember when that was going down with you. And people are so thin-skinned, even in our industry, even at Asti, even at all. It's like, again, like you said, let's work on this together. What your message was, wasn't a bad message. It just, somebody didn't like it, therefore they reacted to it. It probably would have served them better not to say anything. Just kind of let it go. And then, you know what? Chris Elliott's next article is pro-travel agent or pro-time to travel. It is weird. And the reason I asked the question about social media and whatnot is I can say for like 
the last, it's weird. The last three Sundays I would wake up and one of my agents would be calling me or my wife, who's my partner, is we would wake up to Sunday morning, a Facebook bashing of Lamakia Travel. Has anybody ever used Lamakia Travel? And they go on and they're saying they're not responsive. And the level and what the complaints we get about us, they're minuscule, but because of social media, it blows up and everybody starts jumping on. Oh yeah, I sent them an email two years ago. Nobody ever responded back to me. I guess they don't want my money. Then you got the typical troll out there that's like, why would you ever let anybody make money on your vacation? I book mine all the time. And three weeks in a row, we had to diffuse three different situations. And every time we went back to the agent in the morning and we called out that person and we called them up, we're like, listen, we responded to you. Here's a copied email. Here's the information we sent you. Here's what you're waiting for. And we're able to stand behind ourselves. But yet it's not as cool to say, hey, Lamaki Travel's doing a great job keeping up to date. They did tell me something I didn't want to hear. Therefore, that's the thing. When we tell people what they don't want to hear, that's kind of where they blast us. Mm -hmm. So I'm not looking forward to this Sunday. <laughs> Every week I get an email from someone saying, I reached out to you and you didn't respond. And I go back into our system and I go, okay, let me see if we didn't respond. Turns out we did. It turns out a lot of people have spam filters and those spam filters get a little bit overactive and they start to catch emails that are legit from people like you and from people like me. So that's how you get most of these complaints on social media. Like, hey, I never responded, you know? Instead of just calling and following up, hey, I didn't hear back from you or whatever, it's immediate, it's license to blast. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, in addition to the advocacy that you guys do, one of the things I loved about your site is there's a lot of great content down there. There's a lot of great like how-to guides and really some great short articles about different aspects of travel. And if you want to just touch on that, because, you know, that is a great resource and the type of content that you guys are creating on the site was, I thought it was really interesting and unique. And I mean, I think it's even something that, that other agents could benefit from because you guys have done the work or you have firsthand experience in putting that content out there. Well, everything that we put up on the site, it starts with a problem. So if someone emails us and says, I had a problem on a flight or a problem on a cruise, we'll look into it. And then in addition to helping them fix the problem, we will also write some advice so that anyone else reading the article can ensure that the same thing won't happen to them. It's just remarkable. I started this as a journalistic exercise, just as kind of advice columning. I don't think that's really a word, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and really, everything has grown out of that all the advocacy, everything that you see is just an effort to help people. I would like to think that we're useful to travel agents as well. Our, our primary focus is on consumers and helping consumers have a better trip or a better consumer experience, whatever they're doing, whether it's buying a car, taking a cruise, buying an appliance, nothing is off limits for us. It's really remarkable to me, though, that you have, not only need to be critical of the competitors, but you have a lot of people who are sitting around doing this blogging and navel-gazing, and they don't travel anywhere, well, especially now, but they also don't listen to their readers. They don't respond to reader questions. They don't try to help them. They're just sitting there pontificating. And I don't think that's good journalism. I don't think that's responsible journalism. And it, ultimately, it's not helpful either. Yeah, you're right. And that's kind of the angle that Tom and I have come at this from as our Two Toms Talking Travel podcast has evolved as we've been really looking at it from a firsthand perspective. We know what the trips that we've taken and the insights that we get from our clients and not pontificating or did you say navel gazing? Yeah, that was great. I love that one. <laughs> but really, you know, trying to provide people with really firsthand actual information versus our opinions. 
We've been, over the last nine months, we've been on the road, we've been traveling. Tom and I uh, experienced a hurricane together. So we come from a point of view of, hey, you know what? We've been there, done that, and we can put it into an objective analysis because of that, and our consumers benefit as a result. So I think you're very right on there in terms of how some of the things you see, whether it's online or whether it's on a morning TV show or whatever it might be. I always say one of my favorite sayings is that a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And that's what we get sometimes with pontificators that think they know what's happening in the travel world. So, And like you said, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where they sit, I don't want to use the phrase glass house, but they sit up in there and they just kind of think, what should I write today? And again, they're not contacting a travel agent. They're not getting the tour operators. I'm going to be completely honest about this. Years ago, the large tour operators used to dictate to travel agents, okay, this is what you should think. This is how you should sell. This is how things even though the travel agents were always the frontline people dealing with the clients, very few people, I mean, sure, they had their advisory boards or whatever, but most of the decisions were always being made up in an executive boardroom somewhere, removed from a lot of the consumer feedback or travel agent feedback. And coming out of this pandemic, the travel agents, the frontline ones, the ones that are going to be around, that are providing the value and the service, the creating the never-ending relationship with their customers, they're going to have a lot more power. And I think it would behoove the cruise lines, the hotel companies, the tour operators, everybody to pay a little bit more attention to the travel agents and the needs of their clients, as opposed to sitting in a room kind of dictating to it. So I think in the next year, it's going to be for a travel agency, it's going to be a very exciting time for agencies to be able to walk a little taller. We're very excited about the opportunities coming up this way. So, And you should be. I mean, look, you guys and I have also seen the calling of the herd, starting with Delta's commission caps in the 90s, and then with Sweden uh, after 9-11, and then after the Great Recession, and then now with this pandemic. We've seen travel agents kind of fall away. And back in 95, 94, when I was still a reporter at Travel Weekly, one of the trade publications, there were a lot of transaction-based travel agents who are really, they were in it for all the wrong reasons. They wanted to take fan trips. They loved the glamour of being in travel. They didn't really like their customers that much, <laughs> yes. but they loved being in travel. Yeah. Yeah. Now you see people who are really, they understand, they get it. They know that it's a people business. They know that they're independent advisors and that their advice is important. They charge fees for that, and as they should. What we're seeing now is the, probably the last calling of the herd, is the ones who were hanging on and just, they still wanted to be a travel agent, but they were hanging on because they could still make some money, but they could still do these nice fan trips and all that. I think that we're seeing the last of those go away. And those are the ones, by the way, who when I was giving a keynote speech at the American Society of Travel Advisors, those are the ones who booed me off the stage. <laughs> as I was talking oh. about the difference between good advisors and bad advisors. Of course, the bad ones are going to boom me off the stage because they're bad. But the point I'm trying to make, though, is that they're gone. And that's a good thing. But there is still some out there. And actually, for you guys, that's a good thing because you can contract. You can say, look, right now, everyone's favorite target are the vending machines that don't do anything for customers. But there are still some bad travel agents out there. And you are the contract. You're the good one. And so that's really a selling point for you, I think. Yeah, we really do try to make that contrast because I think you're very right about the fallout from COVID in that there was a pretty large segment of the travel agency population that they dabbled, right? They did it on the side. Travel they agent had, in a box. Hobbyists. Yeah. They had like three other things they were doing. 
selling real estate or doing a few other things and travel was just a part of what they do in it. And I think what those people found out is that being a travel agent is a lot harder when you do it on a full-time professional basis and you have to fulfill the needs of your clients. And when COVID hit, I think a lot of people found out that, hey, you know what? This is not easy and I have responsibilities to my clients. It's not just about making commissions. So I think you're right. And I think that's a very good thing for our industry and for our customers. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I always said that when client, when people would come up to me and the phrase I always hear, I'd make a great travel agent. Oh yeah, why? I book all my own vacations. My sister asks me to book her vacations. My cousin asks me. I'm like, that's good. I mean, let me ask you a question. Would you enjoy booking those vacations as much for a real jerk? Somebody that's being a real prick to you or somebody that's trying to combat you on everything? Can you do that? Because if you can do that, yeah, you got to be a little more thick-skinned, then you might be a good travel agent. But just because you're booking for your family and somebody else, it does not make you a good travel agent. And you're right. Those days of the travel agent in the box, I got my IATA card. That's all he wanted, the card mills. And those were brutal days because they were biting into the business left and right. But you're right. The hurting, everything's kind of clearing out now. We're This show is very pro-travel agent. At the end of our show, it's like, hey, please book your vacations with your travel agent. If it's not Sensational Vacations or it's La Machia Travel, book it with your local travel agent, somebody who's invested in your trip. They're looking to book your next vacation. So it is. We really respect a lot of the great agencies out there. And I will tell you, Tom and I talk about this all the time. In the last five to seven years, the average age of really good travel advisors is much younger. It's in the 20s. It's in the 30s. It's so exciting to see what's developing in our industry right now. Yeah, because it's a great career. I mean, Tom has a number of, of really younger travel professionals, and it's a great career for them. You know, they have college degrees, and it's a fun industry. They can build a nice career in the travel industry, and there's a lot of different ways to take it, whether you end up with at a resort or a cruise line or a tour operator. So it's a sexy business, man. It's hugely positive. Hey, we, I have one other thought for you, too. As we progress through the COVID, one of the things that Tom and I want to just get a pulse from you on is as the vaccinations continue, one of the things we're starting to see is vaccination requirements or the advent of the vaccine passport. Where do you stand on that and kind of how is your organization looking at that? Great question. I would say that our opinion is evolving because the situation is changing so quickly. But as of right now, yesterday, the EU came out with a proposal for its green passport or green certification, I think they're calling it. And that would allow the EU member states to certify that someone has either received a vaccine or has had COVID and recovered from it. And we can already see one such system, the digital green passport that Israel has. And that seems to be working pretty well, where, you know, if you want to go to a restaurant or go to a public meeting or to the gym, you can show this vaccine passport that says, yeah, I've gotten both my shots and I'm good to go. But is it a good idea? Look, you guys probably know already that if you want to travel anywhere in the third world, you have to show that yellow card that the World Health Organization issues with all of your vaccines in it. When I was traveling to Kenya, they would not let me into the country until I showed them my yellow card that said I've been vaccinated for just about, I think it was like five or six different things. So the idea of a vaccine passport is not new. It already exists. It doesn't violate your privacy, as some have claimed. You need to know if you've been vaccinated, if you're going to do any traveling or anything that might put you into contact with someone else, potentially lead to an infection. So I don't think that it's 
that big of a deal. What I think might make the privacy advocates happy is if we created a vaccine database and then agreed to, after a certain point of time, after the vaccine, after the coronavirus pandemic ends, is to then phase out the database or to delete it. I think that that's probably a good idea. Yep. I agree on that completely. The whole privacy issue has always been kind of a concern to me. And it would be nice to have one product done. I mean, the airlines are all working with different companies on the health passports as well. So even from a travel agency standpoint, sometimes it's confusing on what we need to recommend to people and whatnot. The inconsistency of it is just kind of difficult. And I think consumers feel that, but it would be great to have one and then wipe it out. And then if you got to start it up again, we have the technology and the ability to do that. I think that's a great approach. Yep, absolutely. All right. I have one last question for you, kind of looking forward into the future, more from an advocacy level is we've spent the last year, similar to us, where's my money? Is this company going to go out of business and keep my money? But what do you think is going to be the next biggest consumer complaint about traveling that your forum is going to get filled with or your email box is going to fill up with? What do you think is going to, a year from now, what do you think is going to be the biggest topic? Well, expiring vouchers, no question about it. We've already seen that starting up end of last year, early this year. And uh, I've already seen some of my media colleagues finally catching on to it is the fact that there's billions of dollars in unused ticket credits out there and they will expire soon. And when they do, you're not going to be able to get them back. So right now, and fortunately, if you're working with a competent travel advisor, they will help you. They'll ensure that none of that happens to you and that you'll be able to use your ticket credit. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a list of all our people. So we keep in contact with all our people. We have a list of everybody who's got future travel credits. So right. we are babysitting that list. Yeah. But go on. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm glad you said that because that's one of the differentiators between the vending machines and the bad agents and you guys is that you're keeping a very close eye on those vouchers to make sure that people are not left holding worthless vouchers. But if for some reason one were to expire, the nice thing about working with a travel agent is that you have these great insider contacts, you can call your airline rep and say, hey, you know what? We have an expiring voucher here. Can you help out? And if you have a good relationship, they'll help you. Yeah, absolutely. And for us, not just managing the list, but also just helping consumers to manage through that. Because in some cases, people have booked, canceled, and rebooked and canceled. And now they're on their third reservation, right? It's like, well, what are the credits again? The consumer can't keep track yeah. of it. And for us, we, obviously, those are our important clients that have brought their business to us and we want to make sure that they're getting taken care of and they get to have the travel experience when the time is right for them. So you're right. I think you're right. I think you hit it on the head that expiring travel credits and vouchers, because we're coming up, a lot of them are either a year from the date of a purchase or in some cases they were extended to like December 15th. But, you know, there's all these different milestone hits out there that people have to contend with. So I think that's a really good point. Well, that's excellent. Well, Chris, we greatly appreciate you taking the time and a lot of time this morning yes. with us, a little bit more than we planned. But thank you so much for spending time with us, telling us a little bit more. Again, give us your email address and last commercial of all your products before we let you go. Oh, I feel like such a cheap salesman here. That's all right. No, we want <laughs> okay. people to be able to find yes, you. Because absolutely. You're doing good work. There's some good stuff there. Boy, have I got a car for you. <laughs> yes, I run a nonprofit organization called Elliott Advocacy. And if you have a problem with any consumer product, not just travel, we can help you. We don't charge anything. Our website address is Elliot.org. That's E-L-L-I-O-T-T, two L's, two T's, dot O-R-G. And if you go to the site and you can click either on the button that allows you to submit a help request, or you can go just to Elliot.org forward slash help. 
and fill out that form and we will get right back to you and help you is free. Have I mentioned that it's free? I may have mentioned you have that before. said that. Yes. We don't charge a thing. We're run entirely on donations. So we help you and you want to support the work, you can also donate. I know awesome. you're a big fan of the hidden fees in there. So there's no hidden fees, right, Chris? No, absolutely. <laughs> there are no hidden fees at all. None whatsoever. I would never, ever do that. No, no. That's great. Well, well hey, you are awesome. It yes. was all great talking with you and we really enjoyed it. And if this podcast doesn't help you get at least up to a D rating with the Better Business Bureau, man, I don't uh, know what will, my we've friend. We've done our best. <laughs> Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate it. You bet. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Chris Elliott, he was great to talk to. He was. You he know really, what? I love his perspective because you know what I really get from him is that he sincerely is on a mission. It doesn't feel like a money-making opportunity for him. And it doesn't sound like a money-making opportunity either, right? No, it's a donation-based organization, but that's doing a lot of good work for people that, that really are probably at the end of their rope that need help. And yeah, he was awesome to talk to. Well, after the interview, I'm kind of thinking in so many synergies of what our business is compared to his business, I'm almost thinking of changing the name of my company to Lamakia Travel Advocacy. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, really... We're advocates for our clients. And for those that are out there listening that aren't clients or that don't use, truly, that's what a good travel agent does, is they have your best interests at heart all the time. Yeah. And he really did. I mean, he feels strongly about the travel agency importance. And he talked about, I loved his vending machine. Oh, man. Right on the money, baby. It. Yeah. He didn't seem like he was a fan. No, no, no. Yeah. Not at all. I, I totally understand. Yeah. It's that approach where, as we always talk about, if you go that route, you are on your own. And the reason I think that he has kind of developed that attitude is he's experienced it firsthand. That's probably a big driver of the types of inquiries and the consumers that are contacting him is, is that dynamic right there. So yeah, he was fantastic. I'm so glad that we had the chance to talk to him. And I just want to remind everybody, you know what? He's got some great articles. So please, if you're interested in advocacy, there's everything from the gas for life comment all the way through to, is my cruise line going out of business? So Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T-T dot org. Check out his site. Look at some of the articles. They're fantastic. He's a great person to keep in, yeah. in hand as a reference. So. Absolutely. So episode 13, huh? That is it. Yeah. It's in the books and we're going to have to work hard to top that one. Absolutely. He's a, kind of a big deal, nationally known. I'm going to tell you the truth, I was nervous. Yeah, you were a little nervous, nervous at I, the beginning? You could tell, couldn't you, with my great intro? And he's like, uh, I'm like, tell us what you do. Yeah, that's not like you. You're normally pretty cool under no, pressure, no, right? No, but no, 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 but he made it easy. He's really super affable guy. So we very much appreciate him being yeah, on the show. we look forward to having him back. Yep. Yeah. All right, people. Well, we will be back with episode 14. And now we're going to have to take it up another notch. You know what? We're committed to doing that, my friend. Shoot us a note or tell us what you're interested in. Give us a ranking. Yeah, give us a ranking. By all means, we'd love it if you'd share our podcast info with your friends and other people that are interested in uh, Travel Talk. And with that, we can kind of continue to grow and continue to be here for you. Yeah, provide awesome. So for Two Toms Talk and Travel, I'm Tom Carnes, Lamakia Travel. And I'm Tom Brousseau, Sensational Beach Vacations. Be good, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>